It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final World World Cup Daily with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon for Seabus Super. The industry's super fun hitting your retirement for six on a day when Pakistan didn't only keep themselves in the competition, they gave themselves an enormous chance of making their way to the final four by beating New Zealand. Jeff, it was a tough old game, wasn't it? Tell us all about it. Adam, it was a grind. Uh, New Zealand were in trouble early. Shaheen Shah, Freedy Bolt, a beautiful spell, a lot of pace, picked up three wickets. They struggled on a pitch that was doing a fair bit, but Jimmy Neesham dug in, ground out a very unlikely sort of innings for him. 97 not out he made to get them up to 237, with Colin de Grando making 64 as well. But Pakistan knocked it off basically three wickets down. Babar Azam made a ton. Harris Sahail made 68, and they did it themselves. Oh, I can't believe that Harris Sahail wasn't in this Pakistan side from the start of the tournament. That was a masterful innings. They were under a lot of pressure when they were being beaten on both edges of the bat. Santner, especially the left-arm tweaker, the big strategic error, I think, from New Zealand was that they only played one spinner and they had to get through in the end. Eight overs from Kane Williamson. He did pick up one wicket, but what they would have given for Ishodi if they'd known the pitch was going to play like a day five track. Yeah, and, and Shadab Khan, the leggy for Pakistan, was important as well. It, it was, I think it took them by surprise. It would be easy 
easy to look at the scorecard for this and say, oh, relatively low total, they chased it down. You know, well, Harris Sahal got out just at the end, so they were four down. It looks like a cruise. It was never a cruise. Nothing about this match was a cruise for any batsman today. Uh, De Grandhome and Nisham had to work really hard. They had to soak up a lot of deliveries and just um, just sort of stew away through the middle before they could start to flourish a bit at the end and, and hit out a little bit at the end. And even then, only got it up to 237. And then it was a fight all day, Baba Azam. The, the the quality of his play. We've been waiting for him to do this, I think, the whole tournament. And then Harris Sahail, Pakistan just looked like a different team since he came in. He played so well against South Africa. Um, he's really the reason they won that match at Lords. And here he goes making the telling contribution again. Yeah, it's hard to believe that Shaab Malik uh, was in the side ahead of Harris Sahail. I mean, we talked about it when he made his 89 at Lords a couple of days ago. He's just an absolute class act. As for Barbara Azam, I mean, that response at Edgebaston today, it brought back memories of 99 20 years ago with those loud horns. Um, Pakistan, who were all but sunk when they lost to India, what was that, nine or ten days ago? Due to that, it all comes back to that Sri Lanka win against England. If not for that, this game has a little bit riding on it. Pakistan are still in the tournament theoretically if they win today, but just the way the points tally is stacking up now. They they play Afghanistan in the next game. We'll come to that in part two, but it just... I mean, I'm not going to say they're they're favourites to make the top four. That'd be overstating it, but gosh... I feel like they're going to. They're, they're, they're in it up to their necks anyway, and that Bangladesh-Pakistan game to finish things off is starting to look even tastier. But, yeah, we will come to that in part two. I think the, the most interesting bit was that, and, and I saw some people discussing this online, you'd rarely call a Pakistan team clinical, but this run chase was clinical. You, you felt yeah. while Harris Sahal and Barbara Azam were out there together, you felt they, there was no way they could lose it. And I, in the back of my mind, I kept expecting that wicket to fall and New Zealand to come back into it and, and roll them up over but it just never looked like happening yeah it was kind of hard to believe that Satna ended up not taking a wicket given I mentioned before it was turning square uh, especially considering how effective um, Shadab Khan had been he picked up Kane Williamson with an absolute beauty but Shaheen Afridi I said on Twitter the other day I wanted to buy shares in Shaheen Afridi he, he took <laughs> 10 overs three wickets three for 28 I copped a lot of grief about that too people are going oh but he's no good he is very good at cricket he's very quick he's young he's 19 years old and some of his celebrations are tip top as well and to pick up uh, Munro then Taylor and Latham in quick succession leaving New Zealand at one stage about 5 for 83 I think it was um, he was the reason why well, actually it was 4 for 46 when his spell finished and then, and then Shadab Khan picked up Williamson. It set it up to, to roll through them, but um, enter Jimmy Neesham. I mean, we interviewed him on the weekly show a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's a guy who has illustrated that he, the game doesn't – he doesn't feel as burdened by the game as he perhaps once did. He's playing in a, in a freer fashion, and maybe that helps him in a situation like today when the pressure's piling up and he needs to play a defining hand. Because that's exactly what he did, 97 not out. Colin de Grandholm was his dance partner for the vast bulk of that, who made 64. There was so much scrutiny over these New Zealand all-rounders coming into this tournament, mm. and that seems to be the engine room at the moment. Granted, they didn't do so well with the ball, but um, they did make contributions in that discipline last time around. It, 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 they look quite deep suddenly. Well, there was certainly scrutiny over whether they could play together in, in the same team and whether they could bat together, that sort of thing. You know, that partnership will have put that aside today. Uh, Muhammad Amir got a wicket up the top as well, got Martin Guptill cheaply, yes. so that was significant. And, you know, Amir's got a stack of wickets in this World Cup. So, yeah, that opens the door for Shaheen Shah to get his three for and then and then shut up to get Kane Williamson, which was key. And at that point, I thought, well, they're done here. But Nisham, what was most impressive was that he just strapped in for the long haul. He, he told us on the weekly show that he was the, the proud owner of the record for the fastest 48 in the 
um, <laughs> in one day international cricket. But so he's known as a a real big hitter. But he didn't play that way. He he just batted out. You know, five overs, ten overs, fifteen, twenty. Stayed there for the long haul. Was happy to get a single or two off a lot of those overs. He he hit a few sixes when. There was the right ball to do it too, but that was largely later on in the innings when he attacked a little bit more towards the close and um, and gave them a boost at the end. So the fact that they were even any any sort of shout in this match at all was due to him, and and it didn't look like it would be easy on on this wicket the way things had panned out, and it started that way because Imam and Fakhar are, are both so important as the openers for Pakistan, and they were gone cheaply as well. Lockie Ferguson and Bolt picked up a wicket, and you thought, well, there could be trouble here, and then Muhammad Hafiz did what he's done a few times so far which is get see a part-time spinner and think hello I'll help myself and um, hold out on the fence to Kane Williamson once again yeah it wasn't lost upon the supporters on Twitter that it's the second time in a row that Hafiz has got out to a part-time off spot well, third Aiden Markram as well oh, Markram. against South Africa well yeah well Markram and Williamson stand out to me was there a third somewhere too Finch was there? Finch right of course Aaron Finch yeah, at yeah, Taunton off a full game. toss right you are so <laughs> he made 32 or 50 balls but he played through the bulk of that tough period when Ferguson yeah. was going at them um, and he was important I thought there yeah, no, he was. He saw it off. He saw off the challenge that Ferguson presented, which meant they turned to spin. Satna came on and started ragging it. And that's where it was such an important um, passage of play with Barbara Azam and Harris Hale. It could have easily fallen apart at that point. Uh, I mean, all that 130, 140 was on the cards had Satna got a breakthrough, but he couldn't. And in the end, I think that I'm, I'm reluctant to criticise Kane Williamson ever for obvious reasons, but um, he left himself on too long. He didn't bring Satna back quickly enough. He ended up turning to Colin Munro at one stage before he brought Satna back for his last yep. three overs. Um, he, he went back to Ferguson at one stage when it was clear that there was only one match winner out there and it was their spinner and and they just got him back when it was too late when the two set men were dominating they were willing to take yeah. a couple of chances and often you know as a captain the temptation is to uh, load up at the back end but they needed to go and win that game earlier they needed yeah. to win that game around the 27 to 32 over mark yep. and they left it too late and by that stage Harris Sahaya was batting like an absolute dream the way he's steering the ball behind point he's just immaculate at the moment and Barbara Azam who, who was relatively quiet for the most part he struck boundaries you know more consistently towards the end but he was just staying sticking around and doing what he needed to do uh, and that's his 10th one day 100 he's only about 23 years old or something like that he's a, mm. he, he there's a reason why they they talk about him in the as being you know the, as, he may not be in the fab four right now alongside Williamson Root Coley and Smith if we kind of broadly consider them the, the four top mm. players in the world but if you were doing a top eight Barbara Azam would be in there yeah well, certainly for white ball stuff he hasn't really made the jump in test cricket as yet but his first world cup hundred as well harris ohio i I can't choose between a few shots there was a square drive off Lockie ferguson uh there was a back foot force through cover that was exceptional there was a a glide to a very fine third third man and then there was the flamingo six that he smashed over trent polt's head back down the ground one foot one foot in the air hello sailor style um and it was just it was audacious it was ridiculous but it was so well timed yeah, all the judges were giving him full style points for that, no doubt. And that flamingo move was was uh, was a beautiful one. So yeah, look, I'm I'm so glad for Harris O'Hale uh, and obviously Barbara Azama's going from strength to strength. I saw on the TV coverage that we can now say that every one of Pakistan's results in this tournament marries up with 1992 in terms of the win loss <laughs> washout sequence. So smashed, smashed by West Indies in the first game, washed out. Exactly, lose a exactly. couple. So the only 
thing that didn't marry up was that they won by uh, six wickets in the end because, stupidly, Harris Sahal got himself out, run out with a run to win or whatever it was. Um, that would have also been a seven-wicket win like it was in their seventh yeah. fixture in 92. So they're still broadly on track um, to replicate that and, of course, go on and win the tournament, I have no doubt. And I, I like how big Martin Guntel's appeal was with, uh, what, two runs to win off 12. He was <laughs> he was still invested in there as he dived and took out the stumps. Not quite jaunty style, but just about. Um, player of the day for me was was Harris rather than Bobo because I just thought that, that he was that was the point where Pakistan could have lost the game where he came in and, and played an absolute gem. Yeah, you know, I'm with you on that. Harris Sahal and also Shaheen Afridi, who I interviewed him just after his first T20 international wickets. And I think I might have mentioned this in the pod a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth revisiting. He said that he had a dream before his um, T20 debut that his first wickets would be Aaron Finch and Glenn Maxwell, and the dream came true. So wow. he's a he's one of those kind of characters. He's quite engaging. So yeah. and I love his celebrations, and he's you know all of 19, not even 20 yet, and you can just see that in him they've got someone who can without a doubt play for a long period of time and see the future as well hopefully uh hall of fame for today um any i've i think there's only one i think there can be only one and that is uh safraz ahmed appealing for a, a court behind from what was a bump ball as it squeezed through to him um the umpires go upstairs and do the umpire review and check it um, and look at the video and say no that's a bump ball he then goes to drs because they they can't they're not allowed to use snicko if it's an umpire review for some reason i don't know why not but they can't they can only use a camera so, so he, see, he sees um, that they've turned this down based on the camera angles but not Snicko and goes, no, no, he's definitely edged that. I definitely want it and puts the T-signal up, which I didn't know you could do but you can do because right. the umpire's decision isn't made until the third umpire's decision has come back to the on-field. Uh. Then they make the decision. Then you've got 15 seconds and he goes, bang, T-bone, straight upstairs, <laughs> at which point they find it was a bump ball because they'd already found it was a bump ball and then turned the um, and Pakistan lost their review. So it <laughs> Safraz Ahmed for that moment of captaincy genius, although he kept it beautifully early on. And the one thing we didn't mention is Pakistan were electric in the field for the yes, first time in this were. tournament. They, yeah. were, they were finally on. Including the catch that was taken uh, from Kane Williamson, which was probably the, the turning point of the game, really, when you consider how important he's been in the last couple of uh, outings they've had. I'm very happy to put Safraz Ahmed in the Hall of Fame. I, I have a lot of time for Safraz Ahmed. He's one of the more interesting guys in the, in the caper, and he should be in our final 32. This is uh, the end of part one. Uh, we'll be back in just a tick. Jeff, some people might disagree, but we kind of have some cricket expertise. I think we have no expertise, though, when it comes to sensible things like planning and retirement and planning for retirement. Well, lucky then, we know the people who do know their stuff over at CBUS, and all CBUS members have access to their team of qualified advisors. Wow, Adam, I think I've heard of CBUS before, about 400 times on our podcast. Uh, what does a qualified advisor do? It means if you're a CBUS member, they can assist you over the phone about investment options, contribution strategies, and planning the best way to maximise your super for retirement. So you're saying they can help you maximise the middle overs and then have a big surge in the final 10? <laughs> Cricket reference, get it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it's probably going to go a lot longer than the World Cup. Ah, well, you can uh, make sure you don't get caught without a retirement plan. Visit cbussuper.com.au. Do it. Do it today. This is the final World World Cup Daily, day 28. 
Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon for Seba Super. Um, casting forward, we have some... Well, that was a big game today. That was huge in the context of the last couple of weeks. But we've got... They just keep coming, don't they? I can't believe we haven't made a 28 days later gag at this yeah. point. After England lose to Australia at Lords, London utterly deserted. <laughs> well, this is what last last time around, England's campaign was over in, in 28 days. And uh, Dave Tickner and Peter Miller wrote a book called 28 Days Data about oh. the England uh, 1990... Uh, sorry, 2015 yeah. failed World Cup mission and tracing through from 92 uh, to then why they'd always struggled so much in these tournaments. Right. So it's all very appropriate given what happened yesterday. Well, well, both these teams play again on Saturday. Doubleheaders Pakistan have Afghanistan, which is their chance to bank a couple of points and shore and some up net their run campaign. Rate. And, and let's not forget about that. They've got to go out and try and thrash Afghanistan. Um, and New Zealand have Australia at Lords. Now, if we cast forward and uh, we have a little look at the table, here's the interesting bit. Pakistan now have seven points. So do Bangladesh. And they both got two games to play and their last game is against each other. Mm. Bangladesh have to beat India before they play Pakistan. Pakistan only have to beat Afghanistan, which uh, on paper should be easier before they play Bangladesh. They're sitting just behind England on eight points. England have to play India and then New Zealand. So mm. uh, if England lose those games, then they are very likely to be run over the top of. If England only win one of those games, they could still be run over the top of by, uh, by Pakistan oh, or Bangladesh. If I were England right now, I, I if I were Owen Morgan right now, I'd be saying to his to his colleagues, uh, we now need to win both games. There's no point thinking about um, winning one because they finish up before anyone else. So mm. their destiny won't really be in their own hands. So the only way they can guarantee progress is winning both games. This might actually be weirdly a good thing for them that they had New Zealand got over the line today and Pakistan had it been on the back burner I mean it might have it might have worked the other way they might have thought they were only needing to win one I think this might Mm -hmm. be in England's hands to an extent Um, it it also means that tomorrow's game is much more of a must win for India as well they play the West Indies here India are on nine points Pakistan Bangladesh on seven so one win behind so if India did somehow drop this game here tomorrow they would find themselves in uh, a pretty sticky situation as well having to face Bangladesh for basically playing off for a spot. So um, both of those They two... need England to beat them as well, though. So, I mean, yeah. it, let's not... India are still undefeated in this tournament. India so should be fine. They're, they're, they're but right. if they lose this game tomorrow, there's... They then have to keep winning. After That's that. right. They, they, they won't be because, of course, they had a washout through there as well. So, yeah. thankfully, for their sake, anyway, net run rate's going pretty nicely. But all the same, that you're right. That the, the the we said it a couple of times now. The effect of Sri Lanka winning that game back on Friday continues to have an effect on the tournament. And and New Zealand on eleven points there pretty much guaranteed to be safe but there's the slight chance that if they lost to Australia and then to England who they've got to take on yep. in the next couple then you know they there's some chance of finding themselves in strife as well so Australia's the only one with the guaranteed spot thus far there's plenty to play for we have a massive few days between now and say Sunday when India play England at Birmingham and that we do and it does not stop we're in Manchester looking out over Old Trafford as the sun just about readies itself to set and we can't wait to be back with you on the final word day show tomorrow on which we will be wrapping up India and the West Indies thanks for your company as always and thanks to Seba Super the industry super fund hitting your retirement for six I'm Adam Collins he's Jeff Lemon we'll talk to you tomorrow see you then George Benson I ain't protected brother I ain't fenced and if my future questions my current senses that would be the same we've been doing for centuries sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this so you know what I meant here I had to go about it write it out and find it myself and there's some stories I can tell you Hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. 
For over 34 years, the growth CBUS MySuper option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.